what are you passionate about? Why are you writing the book? Get that down pat first, and then let's build a marketing and like positioning plan around that. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome to Darken the Page. Today's interview is with Tyler Wagner. Tyler is a good friend of mine, and he runs something called the Best Selling Book System, which is a company that helps people become Amazon.com bestsellers. And one of the reasons I chose to speak to Tyler is I really appreciate his emphasis on the writing and having the message be great. It's not just about the marketing. It's not just, hey, you can make any old book a bestseller, which he probably could make any old book a bestseller. He's really good at it. But he really has more heart, and, and I appreciate that about him. He also talks about his own writing process and what he does in the mornings, how he's written three books. He's, he's a really young guy. I think he's in his early to mid-20s, like 24, 25. And so he's, he's really accomplished a lot so far, and I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from him. So go to darkenthepage.com slash 008 for the show notes. And make sure you check out Tyler's uh, company, which will be in the show notes. It's called The Best Selling Book System. Send me any feedback uh, at darkenthepage at gmail.com. Love hearing from you and enjoy the interview. Hello, I'm here with Tyler Wagner, my good friend, and I am excited to be talking uh, about writing with you. And you have a special skill that we may get into. Um, You also happen to be uh, adept and at the skill of of making books a bestseller on Amazon, which I think some people in this audience will be interested in hearing about. Uh, welcome to the show, Tyler. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. So tell us just a little about how you got started as this writer. So before you probably decided to sell books, you decided to write books. And what was that all about? Yeah, definitely. So I, okay, I guess I could start. I was in college and uh, I went to my first conference, and then uh, from my first conference that I went to, just meeting like uh, authors and professional speakers and people of that nature, I, I really realized that like college just wasn't for me. Like it, it wasn't really uh, what it was uh, told to me. Like it was going to be. Like you know, I go to school and I get this amazing job, and then everything's going to be perfect. So I ended up uh, dropping out and then moving into an entrepreneur house and uh, continued to go to these conferences because I was realizing like in three-day weekends or three-day long weekends at these conferences, I was learning more than I ever was in a classroom. Um, And that's really what got got me started uh, with the kind of like entrepreneur mindset. And from these conferences, I met a lot of people, like I mentioned, and what they said uh, is if they could go back, they would have started actually by putting a book out first. Uh, just because kind of like the presence it gives you, you're able to charge more for professional speaking. It just it kind of gives you like a legitimacy mm-hmm. uh, by having a book. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try to uh, write a book. And I tried and tried and tried. And I guess maybe like two months went by. And like I just I was a perfectionist. Like I just kept like trying to make it perfect. It wasn't working. Uh, and then uh, like accountability was kind of brought into my life because uh, I think time management is something big that entrepreneurs have to learn kind of the hard way. Um, so I had all this you know time, but I wasn't managing it correctly. So then I got an accountability partner uh, in the entrepreneur house that I was living in. It was me and six other guys in <clears throat> excuse me in Des Moines, Iowa. 
and just having him basically like hold me accountable uh, every week for what I said I was going to do and picking like an actual launch date for the book and just having these like set dates that like no matter what this is when it's going to be done that actually like helped me in the creative process and helped me just be like listen it's never going to be perfect and then I was able to ship it out um, at a pretty uh, quick rate. Yeah how did you make that shift because that's something that I think a lot of people go through is especially in the first book they think okay this has to be a masterpiece and it sounds like you went through that but how did you make that shift was it just the fact that you had to ship it or what else was going on? Um, well, I guess I just, I realized like it was just never going to be perfect. Like I, I realized too that it was actually because I was fearful. It was like my first big thing that I was uh, like putting out into the world that like I was going to put my name on the cover and it wasn't like me like working for someone or, you know, anything like that. It was my first actual real thing of this is Tyler Wagner's book. So that was, you know, pretty scary. And it was funny because I feel like you know, you have all these fears about things like that. And then after you put it out there, you realize that it just wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. So, like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It was just funny. It was really just more like fear. Me fearing that people wouldn't like it and stuff like that. Like bad reviews. And even like the best, uh, you know, authors in the world, like they have hundreds of bad reviews on their books. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just everybody has their opinion. So it was just getting over that fear and getting it out there. Uh, the first, which then enabled me to, you know, overcome it and then be able to put out more books as well. Nice, nice. So have you been writing a lot since then, or how does that, how has that um, continued as you write more and publish more, that kind of thing? Yeah, so it's it's definitely helped a lot with, I've, I have three books out, but what it's helped me do is like learn the way that I'm most productive and most creative with writing. So for me, the best way that it works um, is writing like an hour every morning. It's usually the first thing I do, and it's it's if I'm working on a project like a book or something, then it will be geared towards that. But in uh, regardless of that, before that, I always just journal and I do gratitude, affirmations, and intentions. Those three things every morning, and uh-huh. that just kind of gets uh, you know ink on the paper. Because I think what stops a lot of people as well is just looking at that white page or white screen. And like they're expecting the first thing that they type or write to be something great. And it's just usually for me, it's not. It's, it's actually funny. Sometimes I'll just, just to get something on the, uh, on the document on Microsoft Word, I'll just start typing like anything. Just like, hey, what's up? There's like anything to get ink on that paper. Uh, then it's a lot easier to get into that flow. And uh, I'm sure you've been in it as well, but what I feel is like there's like this flow that happens after like writing for about 10 minutes, uh, and I just go into this, yeah, the best way to call it is just like this creative flow, and afterwards I'll have like 10 pages written uh, in about like an hour or so. I think that's a really good point, The and, and I'm just scribbled down notes here because I, I say this every single time, but I get so much out of really out of all these podcasts and and. For me, that's like, oh, yeah, that just, you know, never, if it's the first thing, just just start writing. And and I've heard, I've heard this from other people, too. You know, there was actually a guy named um, Ron Wilder who's, um, he was writing uh, some books. And when he would feel stuck or he was just starting out and he wasn't, nothing was coming to him, he would just start copying down the newspaper. 
and he just line by line he just started just writing, <laughs> writing the newspaper what was on it until he felt inspired and i think that's such a really i think that's really good advice is to you know, to to not try to start with nothing and just just start say hi my name is tyler i am writing in a computer <laughs> yeah. it is the computer is black and silver or whatever and um, yeah. that's great yeah and and you really do and i think another important thing is just like removing all distractions because flow uh, or whatever you want to call it is just it's like sacred and it and once it's like broken it it's like something you get into it's like a hypnosis for me so um like whenever i'm writing like doors locked phones off and i take it like very seriously and i feel like for a lot of people that are just starting out writing uh they'll like hit that flow a little bit but they haven't like get got rid of all distractions and then they get out of it and then they get back in it it's just it's the same type of dilemma so just like if you're serious about it, like just remove all distractions, and I know that's uh, hard for a lot of people sometimes because you know what if you get a text or so, you know, but you gotta like yeah. just make that time sacred, and that's what I do for my journaling and and if I'm working on a book project every morning, it's like I'm committing this one hour to complete like silence and just me focusing on just getting some words on the paper. Mm-hmm. And do you have a do you have a goal, or do you just say, hey, if I'm here for an hour working, that's my goal? Um, it's either an hour or a thousand words. Usually they go hand in hand. I think that's, I can't remember where I read that, but it's like the average is usually like a thousand words an hour you can, you can write. Uh-huh. Um, so usually I will go for one or the other. Uh, typically though, it's just, just the hour because inevitably I, I usually get out about a thousand words if I can commit one hour every morning. Nice. Nice. What, what are some things that really, that you feel turn you on creatively? Um, well, I'd say it's definitely like environments. So like, I actually like writing outside and I like, I like doing pen and paper way more, uh, for like creative, uh, although that does, uh, unless there's like a program out there that I don't know about, it is kind of annoying to like take it from the paper and like retype everything. Yeah. But that's coming. I think, you know, (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, maybe that's a really good idea. So anybody listening who could code that, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so like just being by the beach and just I don't know San Diego, like where you're from as well. Like it's just it's amazing to be outside, 75 degree weather, um, and just be like writing and committing to that. So I think environment has a lot to do with it, and I think people will put themselves in environments that aren't really supporting that uh, that creative flow. They'll do everything in the same spot. So for me, like I have different kind of spots for like different things that I'm doing. You know. Yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, so say if I'm like doing, so for writing, like I said, so it would be like outside by the beach ideally or it would just be like in my room but it's like everything is all distractions off in a way. Whereas if like, I guess if I'm doing, let's see, what else could, like if I'm doing like marketing or something like that and it's like a project and it, it, I could have like some distractions, then I'm at like my stand-up desk and that's like in the living room and I could have people around me and stuff like that. And for some reason that doesn't like take away from that type of work. Whereas if I was trying to write a book like it would. So I think it's like finding what works for you, what environments work for you for particular uh, projects or tasks that you have going on. Mm-hmm. Say more about that stand-up desk. Is that something you've been doing for a little while? You really like that or what? Oh yeah, love the stand-up desk. Sitting like sitting down at a desk all day, like you start to, I don't know, I start my back will start to hurt and stuff. So I like standing up. And actually, 
one of my mentors, he got uh, a stand-up desk with like a, a treadmill. So he would uh, <laughs> like me and him would like switch on and off. But when I was uh, interning for him for about six months, and we would do that for like eight hours, you know, Monday through Friday when we were working, we would just switch on and off at, like hour by hour, uh, stand-up desk with a treadmill to sitting down. And mm-hmm. um, funny thing is, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of him, but this guy named AJ Jacobs that I got to meet at this conference, uh, he's a three-time New York Times best-selling author, mm-hmm. and he actually wrote, um, I believe he wrote all of his books while on a treadmill uh, on a stand-up desk, so just walking and writing the whole time, and he said that was, you know, that really helped him uh, with his creativity and stuff, because it just got his heart pumping and just really, like, hyped him up for the writing. Nice. Yeah, I've read one of his books. Um, that's okay. a, that's super interesting, so just a treadmill, and then you, I guess treadmills already have this kind of, like, area you can put books or laptops maybe so you can just throw it on there yeah yeah you can just put it on there or i think there's one on like amazon like they like come together uh like a stand-up desk and it like hooks up to the the two front um i guess sides of the of the treadmill that's the one that my that my mentor had and it works out perfectly it's real nice nice that would be fun to try one time yeah i still haven't (laughs) i still haven't uh i haven't moved to the stand-up desk but I, i see that's coming uh, it's funny. I hear so many awesome tips for doing this podcast and, and sometimes it's just like unavoidable. I'm like, okay, like now I've heard about the stand up desk like six times. I, I guess <laughs> I, I can't, like, I can't not do it anymore. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a really nice change up, like to be able to just go from sitting down and standing up, uh, with working. Cause it does, it just changes, it changes the environment and changes how you feel. Cause I, I don't know about you, but like sitting down for, more than like a couple hours, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I like to get up and get active. So another thing is like meditating. So I'll do that. If say if like in a day I'm going to write more than that hour and I've like planned that out, like you do, at, at least for me, like I'll just start to get like drained or I'll come up against blocks and stuff. And usually just like a quick 15 minute meditation will like put me back into that flow again. I'll be able to come back and just start writing again. So I think that helps a lot too if you're trying to basically like be a sprinter uh, and just like write for like five hours in a day or something, just like small little breaks in between help a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I actually just interviewed a guy yesterday who's a um, he does this thing called somatology, and he's like a back and neck expert as well as a writer. And and we were talking about tips for writers and like how to you know kind of if you're sitting down like rocking your hips forward and and you know having that be your alignment and your head not hanging over which is kind of like my head is right now because there's a microphone in front of me and I have to hang my head <laughs> over to get to it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's super important. Um, what kind of stuff turns you off creatively? What do you find that uh, just kind of dims that light for you? Yeah, so hmm, that's a good question. It'll be – so I, I've tried like listening to like music and I, I can do instrumentals, but any music with like words, like totally I can't do that. Some people can and it blows my mind. Like I don't know yeah. how they can get creative about listening to other people like uh, talk or you know rap or anything. Um, I'd say just anything that there can be a distraction or an, a, that I know could possibly happen. So for instance, if my phone's like – on and I'm trying to get like get into that creative flow. I know that there's a possibility of a text message or a noise coming, so it's almost like I'm anticipating it. And I like any of that type of stuff. For some reason, I'm just like thinking like, oh, that that could happen and this could happen. So that's why any just possible 
uh, thing that could interrupt me that really just turns off my creative flow. So it's like I have to turn just everything off to be able to get into it. And that's the same with like computer, just anything. So if I'm typing on the computer, I turn Skype off, like I turn just everything off because just even the smallest thing and maybe, I don't know if that's weird, but for me, it's just any small thing. Maybe it's like ADD or something. We'll just, I'll be like, oh, what was that? And it'll take me off. And yeah. I think that's a good point though. It's like, even if something is on and, and able to receive, there's still like a mini distraction in that alone. Yeah. Definitely, there definitely is, at least for me, yeah. Because it does, and it is funny that, that I can also have this experience of, um, even when my, f- I feel like, and this is this is weird, it's like I feel like I know the difference <laughs> between when my phone is on airplane mode and when it's powered down. Like, I just know there's something about that, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I don't know, there's just this like Stone Age feeling that I get when the phone is powered off, but when it's on airplane mode, it's still like there's like this slight chance yeah, like there's still a possibility like something could squeak through. <laughs> <laughs> even though like it, it really supposedly can't but um no that's that's really interesting i think you're right <laughs> that's just yeah this that's has been my yeah the, my experience there with that yeah uh <laughs> what are some other like quirky things that you do to you know make your writing easier more fun you know better yeah so well I guess, uh, I mean, I've kind of tried a ton of different things, so, I mean, I've definitely, <laughs> so, I've, I've tried to, like, smoke a little bit of weed before, before writing, and, and it'll sometimes work, but for me, I really have to gauge it. Nice. Um, so, it's like, if, if I smoke too much, then not a chance, like, first, I think if I smoke too much, then, yeah, I just can't even, I couldn't even do simple mathematics, so it's just yeah. not going to happen. But especially California very, weed, you know, we gotta be careful with that. Yeah, that stuff can that can be your best friend and your worst enemy at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but just like a little bit, actually, like it it helps me to get deeper into that creative flow, and it's easier to get into it. Like it's it's a lot quicker because I feel like um, you know I don't think I actually really do have ADD. You know whatever that really means, but it's it's just for me it, it puts me into like this soothing, peaceful feeling if I just have like a hit or two and then I'll just start to get into that creative flow and then before I know it that hour that I committed to is over and it felt like it was like five minutes yeah um so like I feel like time disappears a little bit so I think that has definitely helped um so yeah I'd say I guess that's kind of quirky um (laughs) actually you know it's funny you'd be surprised how many people how many how often we're talking about drugs in the show (laughs) people come to (laughs) writing and creativity um, yeah, no, I, I, like, it to say it? yeah, no, no. I, actually, in uh, in the episode five with Allison Moon, we talked a lot about that, um, and it's uh, it's great. She says that she loved like her whole first book. She wrote, you know, very stoned, and but she said, you know, she always edits on caffeine though. So so like write it on on weed and then like edit, you know, sober or caffeinated, and I think that okay. that was a nice mix. <laughs> Yeah, no, for me, yeah, edit, I don't think I could do, I don't think I've ever edited uh, high or anything, but for me, like, editing, just because just you brought it up, like, I always read it out loud, and it's it seems like such a simple thing, but if you really want to, like, lower the cost of uh, an editor or, you know, anything of that sort, like, you want to self-edit first, and you'd be, like, amazed, and I, I'll, like, find myself laughing out loud because 
I'll read it out loud. And I'm gonna be, and I sometimes think like, holy shit, like how did I actually like write that sentence and think that it sounded okay? Because yeah. you like don't realize it until you read it out loud, and then you're like, wow, that was terrible. <laughs> so, I totally know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Yeah, reading it out loud, I think, is the best way to just self-edit real fast before you ship it to an editor. It'll lower the cost uh, dramatically. That's a really good point. I like that. I did a um, – there was a slam poetry thing here in Bali the other night, and I took one of my articles to it um, that I thought was particularly passionate. And I read it out loud, and it felt really good. And and I, I saw, wow, I would love to do this more often. and. Some articles worked, some articles didn't, and I could see, you know, the difference. And and uh, yeah, I I I I really like that idea of reading it out loud for sure. Yeah, and reading. So I was I was and I was talking about like reading it out loud to yourself. But from what you just said, it actually brought up the other thing that that really helped me to finish my first book was having that like accountability partner. And he was, you know, he's a friend, but also like he would give it to me direct like he'd be like dude this makes no sense this is shit and then on the other side if it was really good he would tell me it was really good and I think what happens uh, a lot of times is like the people you ask for feedback uh, at first are like friends and family and like they don't really want to like you know hurt your feelings so you don't like you don't go through that editing process really because everybody's just like yeah like good job like it's really nice but like you really just you know I wanted honest feedback so I feel like finding somebody uh, finding like another person that, uh, and they don't have to be a writer as well, but just say if, if they are, I think even better, that is going through the same process as you and you both just commit to each other like, hey, I'm going to give you honest feedback and it's no hard feelings. Uh, and, and that's what's going to really move you forward the fastest. Yeah, that's so important. I just um, I just started a, I would say, a coaching relationship with a guy who is just one of my good friends. He's actually in the third episode of this, Amir Karkudi and he's written four books and and I've been showing him chapters of this book I've been writing uh, ever since I've been writing it and and he's just like he really really believes in it and that's been big mm. for me because what I'm writing is I it's it's very controversial it's very confrontational it's it's one of those things that like probably would have gotten me killed like hundreds of years ago and so <laughs> I'm kind of like I need like, I need that support sometimes and and he's like every time I talk to him and every time he reads it, he's like, dude, your, your writing's incredible. You really like, this has got to get out in the world. And he's really, he's he's great. And he'll also shoot me straight if it sucks. Um, and so I called him up the other day and I said, hey man, um, I'm like halfway through this book. I really want to finish it and I want to I wanna have it be uh, epic. You know, I, like I really, I really want to do it right. And I want your help and, and you know, we haven't really worked out the details of what the relationship's going to be like, but I kind of see it like a producer, like he's like a music yeah. music producer almost. And and I even told him I was like, dude, if you can take like a cut of the book, that'd be kind of cool, or you know, whatever. Um, but that's that was such a relief, and um, yeah, it's so nice to have someone that uh, believes in what you do and will tell you that it's shit if it is. Totally, and it's like the same. It's like the same thing with like a coach. Just like after hearing you say that, like it's just so important to have you know just somebody to like help like mirror your project or just like just help you see it from another angle because you like if you're the only one that has like written it and has seen it and you've got no feedback from anybody, like I just I feel like you get so much in your head about it, um, especially for like first time uh, authors like. 
and that that's just so difficult. Like I, I don't know. After hearing you say that, I just realized like it's just so important to have that at least one other person that will shoot you straight. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's really important. Yeah, the other thing I do too is use Facebook or my blog. So a lot of stuff. If people have been reading a lot of what I wrote on Facebook and a lot of the articles in my blog, they'll recognize things when this book comes up because I don't I don't hold it back for the book. There are some things I haven't posted that are in the book, um, but I'll try out ideas or I'll try out concepts or I'll say, all right, well, what if I if I challenge this idea, how's that going to go over with people? Um, and mm. I'll put it on Facebook or I'll put it on on the blog and see what kind of response it gets and and that's really good too because then i can i can see oh well yeah i'm a little off here so let me adjust this and yeah and just and it's also kind of a fun way to get people excited about the book sometimes i'll put i'll write something and i'll say this is from the forthcoming book you know and people are like what there's a book coming out oh my god and that's that's kind of fun too no, totally, and that um, so that's actually uh, similar to the way I started my my first book or got the concept for it. Like, and it's about networking. and And what I did is I put out a Google form survey um, on my Facebook, and I had some friends share it, um, and I ended up getting over a hundred uh, responses on. It. And basically, it was just like uh, one of the questions was, you know, what do you struggle most with uh, for networking? And then there was uh, four other questions, which I can't remember what they are at the moment. But it was just a simple little survey, but it was like trying to hone in uh, more about like what people were struggling with, so that I could actually, you know, write about what people, uh, what would help people, you know. And I think nice. that because um, yeah, I actually had Dane. He posted it out, and he's got a pretty big following on Facebook. So like ninety-five of those responses were from um, from his people. But it nice. just helped me a lot because I just people were like. You know, I'd really like to, you know, like conferences and and um, just like being able to make that first contact and, and stuff like that. And that's how I was able to really hone in on what uh, people were really looking for. And it, it almost like gave me like my book in a sense. Yeah. Because I knew it was going to be on networking, but I wasn't sure exactly how to break it up or what they were really looking for. And if you have like a sample of like, you know, a little over 100 people or even if you just had 10 people fill it out, you're just like, oh, you can see some common threads in here. And that really helped shape my book as well. So just asking the opinion of people, uh, and that's the same, you know, just asking, like, they also feel a part of the book then, too, is what I found. So I actually do that with, like, all my books. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I did that with this podcast, too. I had uh, the artwork, and I just, you know, it's funny. I had this, like, kind of A version, B version, and even though I knew... I kind of already knew which one I want, which one I liked <laughs> as I went on Facebook <laughs> and I said, Hey, uh, you know, which one should I pick? And, you know, and, and I just ended up picking the one I liked anyways, but, um, but <laughs> I wanted to get people involved. Like I wanted them to, you know, I wanted them yeah. to see like where I was in the decision making process. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's awesome. But, you know, social media is a really interesting tool. I just talked about the other, the other day with a guy named Jason Harrison, um, who I think is episode six or seven and um and yeah it's it's you know he he said that he got he kind of got back into writing because of facebook you know because he had been he had been writing and then just hadn't done much but then facebook kind of uh provided like the opportunity to just do some simple no pressure writing and and out of that came longer articles, out of that came a book, out of that came different things, and then obviously the following too. So you have people that are interested in you. I think for the most part, I mean, 
our presence on Facebook is is in large part our presence as a writer. You know, it's mm. it's writing. I mean, it's Facebook is becoming longer and longer form stuff with things like Twitter and other social media kind of taking up the the short form space. So Facebook is be- you're, you're getting you're seeing longer and longer posts on Facebook and. And it's really a place where writers tend to shine because if you can express yourself with words, that's what Facebook's all about, you know, even if it's just a comment. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely seen that um, as well. And it's just really cool that you're able to get feedback from it. And it's also like, it's about like, you know, the Seth, Seth Godin talks about like your tribe and stuff like that. And I, what I've learned or what I've seen with my own experience is like kind of building a tribe is not like marketing at them or like you know pushing stuff at them but like creating with them in in a sense so that's mm-hmm. why i think like it's almost, like that is in a sense like marketing like asking for feedback on like you know how this image looks for my podcast or mm-hmm. hey you know first 100 people to pm me uh, will get a free copy of my book uh, I'd, all i ask is just honest feedback and stuff like that and these little things it's that's helping you really build a tribe because then people when you put it out thank them obviously for their feedback and then it's not it's not just like you market it at them it's like they actually feel like they were a part of creating the book that you put out and if you can make people feel that way and it's it's not even just making them feel that way it's actually true because they gave you the feedback mm-hmm. um, that is an awesome an awesome thing so with, with my first book that's what um, I was able to do because everybody that filled out the survey I gave them uh, like a free PDF version of my book before it came out on Amazon, and uh, yeah, it was just it just made it a lot better, and people wanted to support it and share it because like they actually had an impact on the actual project. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That, that definitely gives me some ideas. This idea of kind of crowdsourcing your editing in a sense. I mean, obviously having an editor <laughs> yeah. too, but but to go and say, okay, you know, here even just simple things like okay here are the list of chapters like which 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 chapter titles are more exciting to you and which are less yep. exciting you know just to get a sense of like well if people open this book how can i make this more enticing to read or you Absolutely. know t- here's the intro you know give me your feedback on the intro and then just do that with 10 people but then again say hey do this for me and and i'd be happy to give you a free copy of the book and say thanks and all this and the stuff that's that's an awesome idea. Yeah, I'm again writing that down and using it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you, you made me remember that was actually another one of the things I put in that Google form surveys. I had like four titles that I thought uh, would be would be good, and I put them in there. And the one that was unanimous was like conference crushing for my first book, and that one was like seventy two percent of the people like voted for that. So I went for it. Yeah, the title um, and, so important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just. I don't know, and getting people to vote on that. Just any time, I think, just like boiling down this one concept, like any time you can make people feel like they're a part of the project uh, for a book. And you know, I know we're talking about other parts of writing as well, but you know, you have a title, you have a cover image, you have your intro, your conclusion, you have your whole book, you have other things as well. Like, get their feedback. Like, why not? Yeah. Um, and that that builds out. Like, that's part of like a launch, I, I, in my opinion. I think the titles thing is really interesting, and I know you've probably thought a lot about this too with marketing books and selling them on Amazon because titles are huge. And it's almost like I think what I've noticed is a great title, whether it's for uh, a workshop, festival, a book, anything, like a great title really sells itself. And if I, you know, like for example, when I when we came up with Intimacy Fest, you know, there was something about Intimacy Fest that just 
rang bells with people. I, I don't know. I, as soon as I said it on I Facebook, I said, hey, I bought the domain intimacyfest.com. Uh, Powell and I are going to put a festival on this summer. And everybody's like, I want to go. Like People just wrote, I want to go. But they had no idea what it is. All they knew was a name. And now, of course, mm-hmm. hopefully they knew us a little bit. But, but even people that hadn't even come to our events just heard that name and said, that's cool. I want to be there. And there was something to that that I feel like that's where that's almost where we need to get to with titles is where people are interested in buying it before they even know anything about it just based on the title. Absolutely, man. And I love I love talking about titles, so I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah, I mean, I've heard many like techniques for for titles and stuff, and like one is like you know you you say the end result, so like four hour work week, right? Like he tested that title, Tim Ferriss tested that title, and it turned out um, you know that his technique for that was putting the end result as the title, and uh, then you know people bought you know bought it all over the place. But what I found across the board, so intimacy fest, why I really liked it is because I kind of obviously like I know you and Paula, um, yeah. you know pretty well, but like even if I hadn't, I just came across it. Um, what it does for me is I kind of know what it's about, but I want to know more. Nice. So like, nice. I think that is like a key to title. So it's like four hour work week. Reading that title is like okay. First thing that comes around is like, and eh, it seems kind of like bullshit. But I want to know more because it's like, wait, how does this guy actually do this? You know? Yeah. So I think if you can have a title that piques interest, but you you're not telling exactly what it is then people are going to go to that next part and that's like the key with like copywriting like a good headline yeah uh, like what is the point of a headline it's to get them to open the email so i think a point of a title is to get them to like want to know a little bit more like get them interested yeah it's not necessarily to try to sum up the book or make or be accurate in a sense yeah totally, you know because yeah. the truth is for our work week i mean Yes, he talks about concepts that will reduce the amount of hours, but he talks about traveling. He talks about everything, and it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a weird title, but it's it's an effective title, which is all that really matters. Yeah, totally, and it got you know tons of publicity and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's like stunts you can pull with it and stuff, but I think ultimately, just you know, boiling it down to what it is in in simpler terms is just get people's like attention with it and intimacy fast for me, like. You know that gets that gets my attention. Like I want to know more about that. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing around with the title for this book I'm writing, um, and the title I've got now is uh, "You Are the God You Seek." And mm. I kind of one of the things I like about it is it's kind of I don't know. It's it's very it's a bit raw. So I mean, I said it to the the other day. Somebody asked me what I was working on. I was talking to them here in this co working space, and I said. They, I said, oh, I was writing a book. And they said, oh, what's the name of the book? I said, you are the God you seek. And they just kind of laughed. Like it was like this, <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. You know, like that's, you know, you're going for it in a sense. Like that's, I, I like that reaction of like yeah. it's already kind of says something about the book already because it's a, it's kind of a bold statement and it's a bit confrontational already and which is kind of what the book's about. So. Yeah, actually, I re- at first when you first said it, I was like, "Wow, it's pretty intense." You know, like it sounds like intense, but I actually I like it. It's definitely like we were just talking about. It makes me want to. It definitely makes me want to know more. And I'm actually listening to this audio book by Alan Watts, and it's just like a compilation of a bunch of his speeches, and it's called "You're It." And I think it. Um, he kind of talks about it, like like you are you are the god like mm-hmm. you you have everything that you need. So I don't know if it's on the same lines as far as content, but. When I just saw like the title of uh, his thing, it's like "You're It!" exclamation point. I was like, 
okay, like I, I've already heard of Alan Watts and some of his stuff, but I was like, all right, I kind of want to know more what this is about. So I yeah. think your title is definitely intense. And another thing is like, will it be like talked about? Like, is it remarkable? Like, mm-hmm. would you, you know, I think that's a big, a big part of it as well. Yeah. That's so, like, yeah. Yeah. Like for one, uh, an example of that is this guy named Charlie Hone that I, uh, that I met, and he wrote this book called "Play It Away," mm-hmm. and his um, what he was going to name it before. And don't quote me on this, but it was something like uh, "How to Get Over Anxiety." That's what the book's about. Yeah, um, he's going to name it "How to Get Over Anxiety," and then um, his like friends or, or something was just like, "Well, is that actually something like at a party?" Um, if, if you wanted to like share this with your friends, like, hey, I read this book, would you actually say that? Like, hey, man, I just read this awesome book, How to Get Over Anxiety. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> no, true. Said it's not. So like, that's another element of it. So he called it like Play It Away, and that is like a title that like you would you would tell your friend, like, hey, man, I read this book, Play It Away. It's a really good book, and here's why. Totally. Uh, that's interesting. So I a, yeah, I, when, I, when I read that in a blog post, uh, it, was, it was really funny. Yeah, I, I had an interesting experience. So I've been a musician for a while and had a music career, and and you know my last name is Budakian, so Dave Buddha is just shortened. Um, no way. From my know. last name is Budakian, <laughs> and um, it's you know not the best name for show business, let's say. So I just I cut off the last four letters and and then use that as my it's my like my uh, pen name um, or my stage name and. What was interesting is I remember when I did it, it was back in like 2008 and I shift changed it on Facebook, which essentially means I changed it, you know, for the whole world. And, um, and I remember one of the things that happened right after that was one of my fans sent a picture. I don't know if she's emailed me or posted it on something. It was probably MySpace back then, I think actually. Um, and she, she, she posted a picture of her holding up a piece of paper that says, I love Dave Buddha. And that was the, I think that was the first time I had gotten something like that. And I didn't know who, I didn't know this person that was like, obviously like a kind of fan relationship. Cause I, we didn't, we had never talked. And yeah. I realized that, that the name Dave Buddha is just a lot more fun to rally around than Dave Budakian, you know? Totally. <laughs> and so there's something about it. Like you want to like chant it, you know, you want to put it on a piece of paper and show it, you know, you want to talk about it. You, there, there's something to that, and and it was really cool because I knew that the chances of me having a sign says I love Dave Budakian was just <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen, you know. And then and then yeah. after I changed it and used it for you know I didn't change it legally, but after I used it for um, for music stuff, it 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 was different. People just started talking about it differently. People were already like, oh, that's kind of cool, like you know. And it's just so weird, but it it really does make a difference, you know. Totally, man. Just even thinking about that, and and obviously no offense to your to your last name, but like even thinking about like a a sign of somebody holding up and it, you know, the full last name. Like I love Dave Budakin, like you know, and I don't know, maybe it's, it's like who do you love, an accountant or something, or what's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah, really. Like I don't know. That's just it's funny to and and again, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's my perception just because I've always seen you as as Dave Buddha, but. Um, yeah, I just think that would that'd be. It's like putting out like your full name, like you know, my, Tyler Benjamin Wagner. Like what? Like, that would just be. It would be funny. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Just those small little changes they make uh, a lot bigger of a difference than than you would think. Yeah. What are some of the little changes that you've seen in selling these books and like getting them out there to people? What are some of the things that make a difference? Um, that make a difference, so like the marketing side, or just like anything, pretty much. I guess anything. Okay, so 
I think one thing that I realized, so I got like really good at getting books to become bestsellers, right? And it's um, there is like a formula to it and stuff like that. It does take work, but you know ultimately there is a formula to it. And but what I realized to have like long lasting success with your books, like they just have to be like they have to be good and they have to be something that like people want to share with other people. And I think that's a common like misconception. Um, with a lot of people that hear, you know, I guess about people like myself or some other people that are making, you know, decent money out there with with books, and they think they can just like replicate it um, by this certain like you know marketing formula, even if their book like isn't uh, well written or well put together. Mm-hmm. So if you want like long lasting success, um, you know, with a book, like it, it just it needs to be of value to other people. So I, I don't know. I kind of just the reason I'm bringing that up is I'm just trying to to smash that myth of like you can make like five grand a month off a book that like isn't good Um, because I feel feel like a lot of people think that so just actually like writing something that you that you want to write about will also like really help with that and not doing it for the the money necessarily like doing it because you actually have uh, you know some type of service to give to others which you know I'm sure like with your book like it's something you're passionate about you know Mm-hmm. And that that'll help you get through that a lot. So I think it starts with like, what are you passionate about? Why are you writing the book? Get that get that down pat first, and then let's build a marketing and like positioning plan around that. Mm-hmm. And that is the way to do it, rather than going into this and being like, my goal is to make five grand a month off um, you know off this book or off a couple books. What do I need to write about to do that? You know, I think that's kind of like the backwards way. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's like starting with the marketing. What what that makes me think of is is sort of what some guys do with picking up girls, where their goal is to get laid. So they're just the guy. They they just become whatever personality they think will get them laid, and then it's this kind of weird, unsustainable way to live because you just like you're not like that. That authenticity never really gets cultivated. And so you're just kind of being this facade of a person, but then getting some result and doing that over and over again. And, you know, it's like once you take the once you take the goal away from from getting laid and you just say, my goal is to just be honest and be myself and and figure out who I want to be and and let the cards fall as they may. um, it, It totally changes it. But it's a much more sustainable thing to do. Um, yeah, it is. And what's so, uh, I mean, it's not funny at all, but what's so weird is like, I guess it seems that to, to do that up front is somewhat, uh, it's like a difficult switch or something for somebody who's like been living like the other way, I guess. Yeah. But like overall though, by making that switch, like life becomes a lot lighter and a lot simpler um, in the end. So it, I, I don't know, that just came to me when you were saying that because it's definitely interesting when you're just like making that switch at first, it just I feel like it seems like a really, really hard thing to do, but maybe it makes it easier to know that if you can just be in truth and like authentic throughout the whole thing, like there's really there's just I don't know, it makes it so much simpler and so much lighter. So and I feel like going along with that is um, so a lot of people will they won't write a book because they're like I'm not an expert in anything and like a big thing is like you don't have to be an expert in it it's just like getting started um, mm-hmm. so I, f- I find that all the time because it's like 
you know, if I were to rewrite my first book, it would be probably, you know, and I might do an updated version, I don't know, but it would, there would be tons more to it because, you know, I knew a lot about networking and conferences when I wrote the book, but now I've gone to like 50 other conferences since then. So it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, just start and get your work out there and like you're always going to be, um, you know, growing and stuff like that. So it's never going to be perfect and like, I, I guess, define like expert, you know. I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people um, get like that. And if you want to be an expert, then write a book <laughs> about something. Then you'll become an expert on it if you actually do mm-hmm. like your research and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, nice. What are some books that you're digging right now or some authors some- or people? Alan Watts is my guy right now. Yeah, I, uh, for sure. So yeah, I, I've I found his like short, uh, fifteen minute meditation that I do daily. I, I just love it. It really resets me. It's this guided meditation, um, and that's that's what it's called. So for anybody that wants to check it out, just Alan Watts guided meditation on YouTube. So I'll put, a, I'll put a link to it in the notes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I I love that, and sometimes I'll meditate like you know in silence, but for some reason I don't know. I like to Alan Watts' voice just is like a nice melody for me. So um, definitely him, and then um, I usually so how many times I've read this book like three times I think Think and Grow Rich uh-huh. um, by uh, Napoleon Hill, and I don't I don't know I have like the deluxe version. It's like a nice. Uh, nice paper it's got like leather cover and stuff like that so it might just be the feeling of it as well mm-hmm. but just sitting down like reading that um you know i really love that book as well and but yeah i mean mainly right now it's alan watts i've, I've read tons of books i have a stack of them at my place but alan watts uh he's got my attention right now so you're not a is, kindle guy huh you're a, you're a physical book guy i'm a physical book guy yeah oh cool or or audio book i like both but um, but yeah, I don't. I actually don't have a Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> you just do so much with Amazon and Kindle marketing, and you don't have a Kindle. That's cool. <laughs> that is. I don't know. I feel like you know, there's a huge market for it, obviously. But like for me, it, like reading from a Kindle, it takes away from like the experience. I, I don't know why. Like I've tried it. My mom has one, and sh- uh, my brother has like a Google Nexus, which is uh, you can bring books up on there as well. But it, it just like. I don't know, takes away from the experience, hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. What, I, what about yourself with that? I'm a Kindle guy. Um, I didn't, yeah. I think the actual, the thing that turned me on to the Kindle wasn't necessarily that I liked reading books on the Kindle better, but when we decided to move, which we started packing up our stuff in July, because we were going to move to the Bay, and then we ended up moving to Bali, um, I just realized Ooh. I had so many friggin' books. I was also selling on a, a house, where I had renters at, but I also, there was a bookshelf there with a bunch of my books. And I had like two bookshelves full of books. And I just had so many friggin' books. And I was like, this is such a waste. And I'm definitely not taking these books with me. And then some of them I haven't read. But like, what if they were all in the cloud somewhere and I could just access them? And it just kind of occurred to me that, that this is a crazy idea. It would, it's just as crazy as having like a CD collection to me. It's like, why? Why would I have a CD collection when I can have totally. an MP3 collection on a hard drive? Um, and so I, yeah, I moved to the Kindle and I, I basically gave. I had a big party. I don't know if you were at that party. We, we had a party and we just gave away. I just gave away all these books. I had a big table and stacks of books and I said, just take them. They're all free. And uh, I was really happy and about that. And I only kept like four books, I think. And then some of those were not on Kindle. And yeah, it just you know, it, it just ended. No, up, it totally. felt really good. 
Yeah, no, that makes that makes complete sense. I, I, I mean, I can agree with that. And actually, I saw your like Facebook post about that. I think you guys like took a picture. We're like, hey, we're having like going away party. We're giving away all these books. So yeah, so, yeah I remember. Uh, I remember you putting that up. And definitely with like, I guess if I was making like a big uh, a big move, I could see that. I, I like to just like travel a lot. I guess is what it is. So for me, it's like I'll pick you know like a couple books to like take with me like as I'm like traveling. Yeah. Um, so. I guess uh, for me, it's it's only if it's only a couple books, um, then I can like keep my, my my whole collection, you know, somewhere where I'm like actually living. That's my main spot. But then as I travel around, uh, I only have a couple books with me. And then yeah. on my computer, which this is like, I don't like reading from this, but if I have to, I will. There's like that Kindle app that you can have on your Mac. So yeah, I, do oh, that I don't. A lot. I don't do the computer thing. That's. I mean, I read enough on the yeah. computer, of course, with like articles and different stuff. But yeah, reading books on the computer or the phone. Some people do it on the phones. That's crazy. I cannot imagine that <laughs> on the phone. Like that would just not be pleasurable for me. Yeah, I yeah. I, I suppose I could probably do it on an iPad or something, but I haven't tried that yet. But it is a different screen. You know, I I do like that softness of the Kindle screen. It's really cool. Mm, maybe it, uh, maybe I have to give it another try. I know they've gotten uh, I I don't know. I know they've gotten uh, like newer newer ones out. I think right. So it's not just like the same one they had before. So maybe I'll have to give it a try. Yeah, yeah and it just feels like kind of a nice compact thing. You know, in a way that I like having the smartphone because it does so many things, and then it's just this tiny little thing device. Um, yeah. In a way, that's kind of what I feel like with the Kindle. The Kindle is this small device and and it replaces so much like bulk or so many things and so it just kind of makes my life easier i like that no totally you should uh you should get a little kindle affiliate link and put it in the notes for this one <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea um, yeah. check out the kindle sponsored by yeah. amazon and, uh, so okay so what are some last few things um in terms of yeah, just tell us a little more about the about how you help people with Amazon in case they want to get involved with that or or why that's how you can help people because I know that you really can and and I just love for people to uh, take you up on any kind of offers if they um, if they're if they're publishing a book or if they're thinking about it or whatever stage they're in. Yeah, no, totally. So, um, I mean, my program it's called Bestline Book System, and I, I guess. What makes it really different, why I uh, created it, is because I have seen like tons of these uh, Kindle info products out there, um, and you know they're usually like a couple hundred bucks, and they're like you know just information products, but you really have no access to uh, the founder that that put them out there, really. So what I wanted to do is uh, create something that uh, it's a three month program, and I actually like hold your hand through the whole thing because as we talked about before, it's like accountability. I believe is a huge aspect. Um, of this, uh, if you want to become an author or a best-selling author on Amazon, um, so basically that's that's what I've created. It's just um, it's five phases within a three-month program, and it's like direct access with me, like actually holding you accountable, uh, weekly phone calls, and it's basically like I'm your accountability partner. So that's what um, I think has made all the difference uh, with like our first. Uh, launch that we put out there, we had over fifty percent success rate of people hitting bestseller on there. So nice. it's yeah, definitely been. And obviously, like we didn't have as many people as like you know the the ones that are selling at the couple hundred dollar rate. Um, but it's yeah, it's just it's really cool to to actually see that and that like percent rate is just in a sense like unheard of. So I think nice. It, it may sound simple, but just that like coaching and accountability aspect 
um, I've found has been extremely helpful. So, and tell me about what it means to be an Amazon bestseller. Like, how does that work? You know, because there's what there's New York Times bestseller, and then there's like Amazon bestseller, and then there's like how does all that work for someone who's not really familiar with it? Yeah, so Amazon bestseller, I mean, basically just means that you've hit a top, uh, the top of a category on the paid side. Um, some people will like, you know, some people will get on the top on the free side, but like, I don't, I don't know, I don't think that that really constitutes a, a bestseller. But once you get on the paid side, if if you're on the top, you know, it, it could even be just for like the day, then you are considered like an Amazon bestseller. Um, so that's why, as I mentioned before, like it typically there is like a formula to it. But if you want to actually like stay on the bestseller list, which is like you know the ultimate goal, um, then you know this program that I've put together and like the writing of your book has to be, um, you know, has to be good for for it to actually stick. So that's what constitutes like an Amazon bestseller, the top of um, an actual category on Amazon. Now for like the other ones that you talked about. It's. I actually have it all written down somewhere. But uh, for the New York Times, I, I believe it's like in one week. You have to. It's it's over a week's time, and you have to. It's usually around twenty to twenty five thousand uh, copies sold. So it's not Kindle, but like actually paperback or hard copy. Oh, really? Um, they don't include Kindle, huh? Yeah, no, they don't include Kindle for the for the New York Times, as far as I know. Okay. And um, for the Wall Street Journal, I think it's it's typically like five. These are just like averages, right? Because I, I how I believe it works from my research is it's like every week there's like a chance to hit that list, right? Mm-hmm. So if you the average for the New York Times is to hit that list, it's between twenty and twenty five thousand copies bought within that one week. And for like Wall Street Journal, I think it's like five to ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And actually, since I have it like written down, I'd have to find it. We can actually put um, the notes that I have in the show notes if people are interested. Okay, I, sure. I just, yeah, I have it written down like the actual stats that I have. Nice. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And does Amazon? Is there a way besides taking like a screenshot of it? Is there a way like do you get a some kind of title when you hit the top in Amazon? Do they do they recognize you somehow, or is there like a that people show up at your door with like a big check or something, or how does that work? <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I'll let you know about the the door thing. <laughs> that, you show up at the door. You show up at their door with a big check. Yeah, yeah, yeah I show up. At the Tyler, door. what are you doing here? I can't believe this. <laughs> um, I mean, what 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 could happen? It's not always, but you'll usually be put into the like hot new releases. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's like a possibility, but you know, you can still get in hot new releases even if you didn't hit the bestseller list, but like the higher the chance to get there would be if you did, um, but yeah, really, it's just like main, maintaining it and putting yourself in the correct categories that are going to get you uh, the most exposure. And you know, so for instance, like for me, I, I believe like what constitutes like an Amazon bestseller. If you can stay on there, like the top one for a week, and that's like going uh, across the lines. Is same with like New York Times and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's fair because, for instance, like. Um, we had one girl that came through our program and she put out a book. It was called No Gym Needed. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty cool title, pretty yeah. funny. But a yeah, lot nice. of people, a lot of people got, um, she, she did 7,000 downloads in the first day and a half. Mm-hmm. And she was able to stay up there uh, for a couple weeks on the number one. And now she's, I, I don't know where she's at now, but she's making like pretty decent money off the book. But the thing is, there's just so many books being uploaded, um, and with the way Amazon's algorithms work, they're like they recalculate every hour. So if you do a launch correctly in the beginning, you can shoot up to the top 
um, no matter what book, um, like no matter how well your your book is written and stuff like that. But then it will it'll end up dying down. And for one instance of that is uh, we had one book come through and it's still doing decent, but we actually have a screenshot of it in front of the four hour work week. So it's just pretty cool. Nice. But is it like, you know, has it legitimately sold more copies in the four hour work week? Like, no, it hasn't. But like in that uh, period of a couple hours of time, it, it did. So yeah. that was number one, and four hour work week was number two. And that's just, I don't know, it's just a cool thing to like actually have a screenshot of. Nice. Yeah, I totally get that. Nice, man. And how can people find you? Best selling book system? Where do they find yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they can bestsellingbooksystem.com or um, the email that they could use to is tyler at conferencecrushing.com. Nice. Yeah, and we'll have all those links in the show notes. Um, dude, thanks for coming on, man. This has been a real pleasure, and um, I just totally appreciate um, our conversation. Yeah, me too, man. I uh, appreciate it, and, and thanks for having me on.